Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, my friends, once again to another episode of Hey Baby, What's in Your Mouth? The podcast where we explore the history, mystery, and rich tapestry of our favorite foods. I'm your host, New York City comedian Philip Jeremick, and I have a weird tiny rash on my right arm. You thought I was going to say testicle. Nope. I took care of that rash already. Joke's on you. Speaking of testicles, today we're talking all about pudding. Who doesn't love a sound like that? Now, before we dive right into this sweet, sweet viscous goo, we should really start off by making one thing abundantly clear, and that is that a pudding can be a very, very different thing depending on which side of the Atlantic Ocean you are on. Here, in North America, we of course know pudding to be a creamy, cold, custard-like dessert that if, if you don't make from scratch, and you usually buy in individually sealed plastic cups from the good people at Jell-O or Cozy Shack. And of course, you lick the shit right out of that plastic seal before you even dive in with your spoon. However, and you should be sitting down for this because the news I'm about to deliver is akin to a doctor telling you that your gorgeous husband is in the burn unit and he will never be the same again. So listen up. Over in the UK, a pudding is a very different thing than it is here. It's a few different things, actually. First of all, it can be a dessert, like Christmas pudding, or a savory dish, like Yorkshire pudding. But in neither of those cases does it look anything like what we call pudding. Both Christmas pudding and Yorkshire pudding are solid, flour-based masses, and they can be steamed or baked. To make matters more confusing, the word pudding can also be a synonym for dessert itself. So when you hear of a pudding course in the UK, they are referring to a dessert course. And if you hear someone say, fancy a pudding, and you say, yes, you will be very likely presented with something much different from what you're expecting. Now the stuff that we call pudding, they would simply call custard. And you thought trigonometry was hard, but don't worry, I'm gonna break this shit down for you, my babies, and hold your hand every step of the way. But first things first, the word pudding comes from the French word boudin, which means small sausage. And this referred not to the size of my shitty ex-boyfriend and his dick, which frankly he couldn't get up half the time. It referred to early savory European puddings, which actually had a casing and resembled sausages. Speaking of which, puddings in medieval Europe were almost exclusively a savory dish. And they didn't become desserts till much, much later. Who knew pudding was such a fucking Pandora's box? And who knows what other craziness you're going to learn in this episode? Just stay tuned. <clears throat> so pudding comes from boudin, like I said, which means little sausage. And the earliest medieval puddings were just that. They can, however, be divided into two categories. So there was black pudding and white pudding. Black pudding was also called blood pudding, and it was essentially a combination of cereal or grains, fat, blood, maybe a bit of meat, and this massive stuff having an oatmeal-like consistency was placed into a natural sausage casing and usually steamed. And that, my friends, was one of the first ever puddings, most likely originating in Great Britain. Now, white pudding is more oatmeal or grain-heavy, could have had a bit less meat and did not have any blood, which is why it was not black pudding, because that's what gives it the black color. Uh, it's also a lot less dense and less kind of sausagey than black pudding. Uh, so it's kind of like a, if you can imagine like a big, thin, rubbery ball just stuffed with this kind of like, 
grainy, mealy stuff. That's kind of what it looked like. Uh, so for example, haggis uh, is an example of a white pudding. But now you might be thinking, Philip, I'm not into weird, disgusting foods like you are. Don't assume that I know what haggis is. Okay, so haggis, first of all, is Scottish. It's like the most Scottish thing out there. It's a blend of sheep's pluck, which is the heart, the liver, and the lungs. And that is mixed with lots of oatmeal, onions, suet, and spices. And it is encased in the stomach of the sheep and cooked in that casing. It sounds positively nightmarish, I know. But apparently it's really, really delicious. I've never had it. I hope to have it very soon. Why not? Uh, but I would, I would absolutely try it, honestly. Especially if there were like hot men in kilts all over the place serving it. And there probably would be because in Scotland, it's not like the kind of thing you eat every day. It's almost exclusively served on Robbie Burns Day. So, and they just go all out with the kilts and the haggis and everything. So there would definitely be men in kilts there. And you know what they say about the kilts. Look it up. Uh, now we're gonna get into the puddings that we know and love. Their earliest permutation was basically as custard. Custard being little more than eggs, milk, and sugar, thickened by slow and gentle heating. And this is really how what we know now as pudding first began. Now, custard itself dates back to Europe in the Middle Ages, and it was either eaten by itself or used as a filling in various cakes, pies, and tarts. I mean, they were versatile with that shit even back then. And it didn't come uh, to the United States until about the mid-19th century. Before that, what I described as pudding to the Brits, the solid steamed cake-like puddings, is also what pudding was on this side of the pond. Confused yet? No? Great. But in 1837, the pudding landscape was forever altered. What happened, Philip? Well, in 1837, a British food chemist named Alfred Bird developed an egg-free powdered custard using corn flour instead of eggs, and he became a household name and a bajillionaire. Kudos to you, Alfred Bird. And guys, the reason that he did this in the first place, because he was just like the sweetest little guy. His wife was allergic to eggs, but loved custard. So him, being a food chemist, was like, I'm gonna invite, or I'm gonna invent this egg-free custard just for you, baby girl. And that is love. In fact, there's this anecdote that um, when the couple had guests, uh, they still served regular custard made with eggs to their guests. But one night, he was all like, listen, babe, let's try this cornflower shit on our guests and see if anyone notices the difference. And then Alfred Bird's wife was all like, fuck yeah, I love a good scheme. It's why I married you. And then he was like, no, you married me because I'm good at eating pussy. And she was like, well, maybe, but let's get back to the custard. That is a real conversation found in his diaries. So anyway, they tried this special powdered custard made with cornflour on their friends. They loved it, couldn't tell the goddamn difference, and the rest is history. And because of Alfred Bird's innovations with powdered custard, which was popular not only in the UK, but in the US as well, other manufacturers started making powdered dessert mixes too. And Jell-O brand, of course, dominated the landscape in 1936. That is when they started making powdered instant pudding mix. At first, only chocolate was available, but later Jell-O introduced vanilla, tapioca, coconut, pistachio, butterscotch, egg custard, flan, and rice pudding. Now, speaking of Jell-O, 
and I know this is the pudding episode, but speaking of Jell-O, while I was doing my pudding research for this episode, I found some insane Jell-O flavors that used to exist, and for obvious blood-curdling reasons, they no longer do. So for example, in the 40s and 50s, when those like weird, disgusting, like jellied salads were all the rage, Jell-O was like, we gotta corner this fucking market. So they started creating savory Jell-O flavors, and this is what they had. Celery, mixed vegetable, seasoned tomato, and simply Italian. <laughs> Who knew what was in that one? Now, celery sounds like it kind of might have been good. I don't know. I feel like these days, some bougie food people could find something fun to do with that. Um, there's also, by the way, a Jell-O museum in Leroy, New York because that is where Jell-O was invented in 1897 by a man who was a carpenter slash cough syrup manufacturer, just like Jesus. And if you've never heard of Leroy, New York, I don't blame you, it is way the fuck upstate. You're basically in Canada. But make no mistake, I absolutely intend to make my way to the Jell-O Museum one fine day, and maybe that's where we'll do the Jell-O episode and we will record from there. Um, now before we get chatty with our guest, I do want to mention what is, in my opinion, through no scientific, culinary, or scholarly study, merely my own opinion, the holy trinity of puddings. And that would be creme brulee, panna cotta, and flan, or flan, depending where you're from. Uh, now, creme brulee, of course, comes from our French friends, and it means burnt cream, uh, because that's exactly what it is. Delicious, semi-cold, to room temp custard, with some sugar dusted on top, and then it's torched for a few seconds, creating that wonderful shell that you gotta break through with a spoon to get to the sweet, sweet goo inside. It's so simple and so elegant, like all the best desserts always are. Now, panna cotta comes from our Italian friends, Northern Italians to be precise, and it means cooked cream. So the French burn their cream, the Italians cook their cream. And in the case of panna cotta, gelatin is also used to thicken it and it's almost always served cold, whereas the French, you know, they'll do some room temp shit. Uh, but no, you gotta have panna cotta cold. Uh, and there's usually like a coulis or a fruit sauce either on top or underneath. And then the thing is put on top, the mold, and it's this beautiful layered business. Um, and what's really cool about it and interesting is that it actually did not make its way into Italian cookbooks until the 1960s. And its origins are quite a mystery. Now the last pudding in this trifecta is flan, or creme caramel. It basically has a panna cotta consistency with the caramel on top, uh, like on a creme brulee. Except in this case, it is not brulee at all. It is smooth and it's gooey. And what's really cool about creme caramel that I kind of found out in my research is that there are versions of it pretty much all over the world. And the variations are so, so slight which is really interesting. And as food historian Alan Davidson has said, in the later part of the 20th century, creme caramel occupied an excessively large amount of territory in European restaurant dessert menus. This was probably due to the convenience for restaurateurs of being able to prepare a lot in advance and keep them until needed. And it's true, this shit was huge in the 80s. Now today, it is most popular in South America and in Southeast Asia. And apparently in India's coastal cities, um, on the uh, western coast of India, like in Goa and places like that, it is apparently the beachside snack to have if you're staying at like a high-end Indian seaside resort. Who knew? You learn something new every day. Uh, in Puerto Rico, 
there is a different kind of flan called flancocho, which is pina colada flavored and has a layer of cream cheese. It sounds fucking disgusting, but I googled it and it looks amazing. <laughs> uh, although I'd rather have haggis, but we know the reasons why. And now, my friends, it is time for our guest. Joining me today is the lovely Lucas Volger, the author of several cookbooks, including, I love the title of this one, Veggie Burgers Every Which Way, and his newest book, Bowl, which is just about that, all kinds of delicious, delicious bowls. Uh, he is also the co-founder and editorial director of Jari Magazine, a queer foodie lifestyle magazine that is really cool, and they throw great parties. I have been to one. It was a lot of fun. There was a dog there. It was great. Uh, so welcome. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for talking all about pudding with me. Um, Lucas has made pudding that we're about to eat. Uh, so why don't we start with that? What are we having? This is a butterscotch pudding. It's a David Leibowitz recipe. Oh, okay. Um, I am not a pudding expert, one of, but one of the things I've gleaned about pudding is that there's like it's thickened either with cornstarch or with eggs. And this one is thickened with both cornstarch and eggs, which is kind of interesting. Oh, so is so it going to be like it should super really thick? I, it actually isn't, and I just made it. And what's um, on top? Oh, on top is, um, it's, I'm calling it cinnamon toast crumbles. Okay. It's a little ice cream topping I've been playing around with. That's delicious. Oh, man. That's so good. Butterscotch is the best pudding. You can, it's like that perfect mix of savory and sweet. The texture is exactly as it should be. Well, and he has a really good tip for make because have you made pudding before? I haven't. Okay. It's just like shameful to admit, given the episode we're well, doing. One of the things with making any kind of custard with eggs is you. There's this magic moment where you must remove it from the heat, and it's literally a hair's breadth from when the eggs are going to curdle. Right. Um, and he has this great trick um, where if the eggs do curdle. You should throw the whole thing in a blender and blitz it all up so that oh, these, really? these, um, this pudding did indeed curdle, but oh. then I threw it in the blender and it's beautiful. It's so good, honestly. So, um, what are your experiences with pudding other than this creation today? Are you a fan? Are you indifferent? Are you... Well, I grew, I grew up eating like the jello pudding that you were talking about. You, you did not? I did. Oh, you did. Right. And I had... I would have the same packed lunch every single day, which was like a peanut butter and honey sandwich, mm. a chewy peanut butter and chocolate chip granola bar, some fruit, and then one of those jello puddings in a pack, or the Swiss Miss. That was a very sweet lunch. Well, the, the granola very bar was responsible of your There parents. was also, no, there, were, there was like a string cheese and there was something okay. else, but um, eating that every day, I was very sick of pudding by the end of my... Fair um, enough. No. So I hadn't eaten it in a really long time, and then just in wanting to like come up with the desserts when you're having a dinner party that you can make in advance, and that it's are true. sort of unexpected and fun, I've come around to pudding. And it is. I'm glad you said that. It is, it is unexpected and fun because it's one of those things that it's this base that you can do innumerable things with, you know? Yeah. And all. you can mold it and like do these like crazy retro things, which I've kind of always wanted. To. It's on my like list of culinary things to try. That would, I haven't, I remember Ben, one of your other Ben Mims. Yes, Ben Mims. We, we had him. a jarry party and he brought a molded, it wasn't pudding, but it was like a, a cranberry like jello cake uh -huh. thing. That was, and, and it was so unexpected because how many exactly. decades has it been since anyone and, brought but that I think to a party? People love that shit. Like whenever I visit relatives in Europe, you can get all these 
Um, or when I was a kid, my grandma always used to do this. She would buy, she was like a pretty good baker and cook, but she would cheat and use like pudding mixes as like the layers in cakes oh, sometimes, yeah, totally. which is another great thing about pudding. And I remember as a kid, all these like German and Austrian puddings and things, like the powder mixes on the bag there would be this image of these like perfectly molded puddings that looked so outdated but like really beautiful uh and no one ever like makes those you know like what's on the picture but i'm like no i want to those seem so cool maybe it's because we've like turned against gelatin a little bit i think so but now there's aren't there other gelatins that aren't from agar yeah Um, do they produce the same results i think they do yeah it's pretty close yeah, but I mean, even so, maybe that's like not a texture. I think feel like the Jello texture is not that super set. Yeah, that's true. This I is kind of more kind of like flan and in between. Really yeah, people exactly. like it, but it's like a jelly cream. Yeah, yeah. You don't see aspic very often. No, you don't. Luckily, you don't see aspic <laughs> very often. Um, there was a place. I don't know if you know this because um, it's not around anymore. But it was one of my favorite places for a long time. I don't have much of a sweet tooth. There used to be a place in the East Village on St. Mark's Place called Puddin. Oh, I, I never went there, but I know what you're talking oh about. Oh my God, it was amazing. It was this little tiny shop, and they just sold... It was like an ice cream shop, but it was pudding. And they had like handmade, all-organic pudding that was made on-site. And what they were known for were their frozen puddin' pops. Oh my God. Which were Those like, are, incredible. That's beautiful, yeah. And... And whenever I had friends visiting, especially in the summer, I'd be like, we're going here. <laughs> and I like made a big deal of it. And everyone always loved it. And then one day I went there, and now it's like a fucking dumpling place or something. I was devastated. I mean... It was really... I know, it was very niche. That's so. a concept, yeah. It would, it would either go big or, or not go, go anywhere again. <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't take on, because, like, I don't know, it's one of those things nobody makes them. When you walk by and you see a place like that, I'd be like... Yeah, and like banana pudding, if you had like the magnolia banana pudding, which is so mm-hmm. popular. Oh yeah, you would think that. It's yeah. true. I'm glad you know that because I feel like a lot of people go to magnolia. You go for the cupcakes. You stay for the pudding. Exactly. The like, cupcakes are really not that. Yeah. Not that. We can say that. I have no affiliations <laughs> with anyone. But the second I do, we are not cut one day. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, and then, so you had a lot of puddings growing up, and then, so you've made us this delicious butterscotch pudding. Other, aside from this, have you, like, experimented a lot with I have, exper- I have experimented in making sort of, like, this is a butterscotch pudding. I, there's a chocolate pudding recipe that I love by Alice Medrich, who's a, a very well-known and regarded desserts cookbook author. I've tried making, um, I made like a Meyer lemon pudding, which is really Ooh, good. that would be good, yeah. It seems like there's so much potential, you know, I haven't fully f- flexed the muscles, but, but it you seems can, like, like you're basically like flavoring custard with Yeah, egg. totally. And then like firming it up. Yes. Um, I love bread pudding, and I love rice pudding. Though oh yeah, we were gonna, categories. uh, we were taking a little break, and Lucas was like, we didn't talk about rice pudding, I was like, shit, we didn't. So we're gonna do it now. Um, do you do you like rice pudding? I actually do, and it's because of finding good recipes. Yeah, because I feel like it can be hit or miss. What makes it bad to you? Uh, I, the fact that it's rice pudding—it's <laughs> just so weird. It's like I feel like you know what it is. Sometimes it can be—it can taste like if it's not firmed up enough, or the texture isn't kind of consistent throughout. 
it's sort of like you taste like you've got these little lumps inside of something that isn't quite set. Okay, and something that's already lumpy and then has is like inconsistent. Yeah. yeah, but if it's yeah, there's this Indian dessert that's putting like, and I can't remember the name now. I know what you're talking about. Where they basically like cook rice until it basically it dissolves, apart, right, yeah. and falls apart, and then they flavor it. And see that I would get on board. That's good because the texture is. Well, that's. Amazing. I mean, if you're interested in making, there's a very, a very good recipe for rice pudding, and I think it's like. And do you like cook the, it's not even that much rice, but you cook like a little bit of really nice jasmine rice mm -hmm. and a fair amount of milk and sugar. And then you, that sort of thickens up and then you beat heavy cream and then fold it in. So it has this okay. very like luxurious mm -hmm. consistency. Um, but what's interesting about, I mean, the category, the, the pudding is such a huge category of food. You have everything from like these blood sausages to know. what we're eating to something like pudding, which the rice pudding, which is not even set. Right. And there's not, it's like, it's, I don't I don't even know why it makes sense in my mind, but it's funny that it sort of falls into the same category of desserts. Yeah. And it's kind of like a weird thing. Because that's like rice soup, you know, sweet rice soup. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... What was I gonna say? But yeah, I love that in the UK, a pudding is a totally, totally different oh, yeah. thing. And you like you go there and you, like slice it. Yeah, and someone's like, it's so funny. Like a pudding course, like oh, we're just having pudding. It's like no, it can be like a piece of cake. <laughs> and they will say like this is a pudding. And it's like no, it's not. It's fucking cake. But do you like those, or what's your experience with them? Like, do you like Christmas pudding? Like, I have never do you know had that British it. kind that's like put in a mold and steamed? Yeah, no, I've never had. I've had like there's something that's gotten a little popular over the past couple of years is summer pudding, where it's like bread soaked in berries and then pressed into a mold, and oh. and you slice that up and sort of similar. I think it's called summer pudding. There's a sort of similar thing, and I like. So it's that. like a cold bread pudding, kind of. Yeah, I guess so, but it's yeah, and it's not really cooked in any way. Right. It's just kind of a simple. So it's like a sloppy trifle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you layer, like without... you layer bread inside like a bunt pan or a tea okay. pan, uh -huh. like white bread with yeah. a crust, and then you pour this berry mixture inside, and it all soaks up and turns into this sliceable thing. Oh wow, that sounds pretty good actually. Yeah, it's beautiful. Because I've made a lot of trifles in my day because they're so easy. Yes. <laughs> and, they, and that's one where you could cheat. I've done it with. I'll admit, I've made it where like I've made the custard from scratch. But I've definitely done it where like I've just bought pudding and oh, put it totally. in layers. And no one knows. Just lie. Lie to your guests. Trifles, Who cares? My favorite thing for a trifle is when you have a cake that you screwed up. Yeah. And totally. it like and sinks or it doesn't come it out and you just like break it up and make a trifle and nobody knows anything. And the other thing I love to do with a trifle is I that bottom layer I will soak it in Campari or Grand Marnier Ooh. or any of those things. And it not like that you just sort of when you put it in you just like yeah. drizzle it on a little bit and then it soaks in and then all the other layers and, and then, then everybody it's leaves like such a drunk. surprise yes. exactly <laughs> everybody loves it <laughs> Nigella Lawson actually has a trifle recipe where she soaks the cake in vodka oh my god and I'm like oh you're a fucking queen yes yeah, seriously she does she does like a ham glazed in Coca Cola which I feel like would happen in the South a That's lot the thing, it's yeah. like not that crazy. But yeah, she's got some pretty crazy shit, and mm. I love that. Um, and then the other thing that is funny that is A, not a pudding like we know it, but we have on both sides of the ocean is um, Yorkshire pudding, 
which right. here we would just call popovers. Yes. That's basically what it is. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because it's like, well, it's not a, you know, a, it's like a little disc of dough that's like hollowed out. Uh-huh. And it's there for like the gravy to like basically yeah, rest in. That is so... It's kind of gross, but delicious also. There must be a book devoted to the subject of pudding. Is there not? If oh, not, you need to write it. I... It's, yes, there has to be. There totally has to be. Because that's crazy that all these things are falling. That is such an all-encompassing. Is there anything similar to that in food that is like has such a wide range? Right. Of... That has one name. That is all these different yeah. things. I don't know. That's a good question. But yeah, I feel like pudding needs to have a renaissance because, you know, like right now, like frozen yogurt places are like all the rage, like on every damn corner, right? And things like that. And they've been around for a while. I don't know. What would you do with pudding that's new and exciting? Um, I would... Well, I, I still want to further explore seasonal pudding. So mm-hmm. more than just the topping, but like that Meyer lemon pudding was really exciting because in the dead of winter, citrus are the only right good thing, fun, bright, fresh thing that you can really cook with. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least over here in New York. And so... Finding ways to incorporate, you know, summer, like, stone fruit or cherries or different berries. Um, I know that the rest, I'm, this is, I'm, I'm not a pudding expert, so I just know that this is very novice, but, like, that to me is what's really exciting about pudding. Um, and just the idea, you, like, put them in these little cups and then stick them in the fridge, and then when it's time to serve dessert, you just pull it out of the, you know, like, it's very, yeah. it's very straightforward. Yeah, and I think that, I'm kind of repeating myself, but... If you, let's say you were to have a dinner party and that was your dessert, I think it would be really unexpected. Because totally. people are like, who has pudding? Except, or if you don't have children, like, A, who makes it? Nobody. And if you don't have kids, who buys, like, the prepackaged stuff? Also, yeah, I'm nobody. sure there, are peop- I'm, there have got Maybe. to be people out there. Because that stuff's still around. You've seen oh, yeah. Pretty, yeah. There's, you there's like, organic, gluten-free. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know what I've never had, actually, that totally falls in this category? I don't even know. I guess it's called a parfait, but, like, is it really? No, I don't think so. You know, and, like, this was big, like, in the 90s when I was a kid, but I saw one the other day. In, like, the refrigerated, like, jello pudding section, there's those weird things that are, like, layers of, like, very, like, brightly artificially colored, like... Like, there's layers that are kind of jello, and there's layers that are kind of, like, a pink cream. Are we talking then, like, about, orange. like, a pudding cup? They're in, it's in a pudding cup? Yeah, but they're stored upside down. So, like, the lid is the bottom. Okay. And they're kind of this, like, fun shape. Sometimes they're rings. Hmm. Like, there's the big ones that you slice, and then there's individual ones. Oh. Do you know what I'm talking no, about? No, I don't. Okay, I'm going to Google this right now. And then Lucas is going to be on the same page as me. I promise you. Um... So yeah, they're they're always, and they're usually like they're some weird brand that no one's heard of. Uh, I'm just gonna Google parfait cups, and see what comes up. I for because, the first thing that comes to mind for me is like yogurt parfait, granola fruit yogurt. It's not that. But it's like it's like that, but like the creepy retro looking version. It's <laughs> um, a new thing or an old thing? No, it's an old thing. It's I've seen it all the time and. Uh, come on, Google Images, you've never... One thing I wanted to mention about yeah. pudding. So when you make pudding, people always have this emphatic instruction, which is pour it into the cups and let it cool, and then press a piece of plastic wrap onto the surface right? so that it doesn't form a skin. 
because it used to be that everyone hated the skin. You know, it's like a chew. Yeah, you, yeah. you have to like break through with your spoon, and that was undesirable. And then in recent recipes, people are like, "Don't you dare press a piece of plastic wrap because they, want, that on they top. want the skin. They think it's the most delicious part of the pudding." So it's funny how times change. It's true. Um, okay, here's the closest thing I could find on Google Images. This is like a fancy looking version. But, like, have you seen these in, like, a plastic oh, container? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And they look, like, gross, and they kind of look like a white trash thing. Yes. Sorry, and listeners. they are in, like, little... They almost look like they're, like, keepsake cups. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, it's, like, layers that are, like, creamy and pudding, and then layers that are jellied. Huh. I'm going to buy one one day just yeah, for fun, and it's going to be fucking disgusting. Scratch that itch. <laughs> I'm certain. I'm going to scratch that itch. <laughs> um... So before we close off, <clears throat> excuse me, because I want to eat this pudding that Lucas has made, or it's going to melt, because listen, it's, it's hot. It's, it's June hot. in sorry. New York City. And we had to turn the fan off. It's okay. I'm fine. I like the heat. Um, yeah, any closing statements <laughs> about pudding? Um, <laughs> Go for it. It's all you. Oh, God. I think I got everything in I wanted to say. Well, I guess I'll just reinforce that pudding is a wonderful thing to make for a dinner party. Just Google some recipes, pull out your favorite cookbooks, do like, I feel like the new, like Alice Medrich has been making, she's the cookbook author I mentioned earlier, but she's been making pudding throughout her career. So she has chocolate pudding 1.0, chocolate pudding 2.0, chocolate pudding 3.0, it goes from like thickening, setting it with eggs to set, setting it with cornstarch to like using the food processor or the blenders. She's, she's undergone a pudding evolution. It's kind of, okay, I guess so that helps. That's too. great. No, I feel like she'd be like the... Her, the pudding person to turn to. She would definitely be a pudding person to turn to. She'd be able to... Amazing. And leave the skin on, right? Oh, yeah. Don't, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Thank you very much, Lucas, for joining us. And stay tuned, everyone, for the next episode of Hey Baby, What's in Your Mouth, which will be about I don't know what, because I haven't decided yet and I haven't researched it. But who knows? The, the world is our oyster. It could be more pudding. Oysters. This, this topic is not <laughs> It could be more pudding, I know. Or just jello. I feel like that'll be a nice segue. But we'll see. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye bye.